G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. And we would call that like a thief in the night. But as he approaches the bride's house, he would make a big shout. Or usually he would blow the shofar so that it would at least give her a few moments to wake up, get herself ready to go. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Over the last couple of programs, we've been exploring the ancient Jewish wedding tradition and looking at how Jesus fulfills every element of it. It's been very fascinating, too, because as soon as you start to unpack some of these elements in it, it automatically sparks remembrance Mm. of other things that we already know about Jesus and and the church and things that he said. And and suddenly those things become even more Mm. significant than what they already were. Okay, so in the ancient Jewish wedding, there are three main characters. There is the father, the groom, and the bride. The father, of course, is God the Father. The groom, of course, is the person of Jesus Christ. And the bride is the church, the bride of Christ. Now, we've looked at the uh, over the last couple of programs uh, some of the elements of the ancient Jewish wedding. Of course, the ketubah we've looked at, which is the contract uh, that was uh, detailed, how much the groom was willing to pay, and also how valuable his bride was to him. Uh, then there's the acceptance, which was done through the giving and receiving of a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, accepting the wine made the betrothal or engagement as a legally binding uh, contract, just like a marriage, uh, but without the physical union at that stage. Then there's the gifts which were given. Uh, these were given to the betrothed, and then the uh, separation happens where the, the guy heads back to his father's house to prepare a place mm-hmm. for his uh, soon-to-be bride. And so that's where we're kind of up to at this stage with uh, looking at these different elements of the ancient Jewish wedding. Yeah. And so after the um, that separation period that only the father knows when that separation period finishes and, and he says, you know, everything is now complete. You have prepared this home. You've prepared the bridal chamber. It's now up to my standards. Right, son, go get your bride. And that's when yep, the surprise return. The happens. surprise return, and he gets his attendants, and then he makes his way to the home of his bride, where the bride is actually waiting with her attendants, and she's been getting her clothes ready and her glory box ready and her bits and pieces and all of it, making herself beautiful. And then what happens is, is that when he's, it's like he's going to go there and kind of abduct her secretly. Yeah, it's steal like steal her away, steal her away. <laughs> Um, and we would we would uh, call that like a thief in the night. Mm. He's coming like a thief in the night. But as he approaches the bride's house, he would make a big shout, or usually he would blow the shofar. He would blow a trumpet. Mm. The, the shofar is the ram's horn, so that it would at least give her a few moments to wake up, get herself ready, put the veil on, get the dress on. The attendants are all there with their lamps ready, ready to go. Of course, the the invitations have already been sent by the father for all the guests to come. So all the guests are making their way to the um, the place of the wedding ceremony. 
the groom has gone to get his bride, and now they're making their way. And what does that remind you of? Well, it's just so you know, <laughs> evident, isn't it? I mean, you, there's a great passage in First Thessalonians that talks about this with uh, Jesus, our bridegroom. It says, he will come like a thief in the night, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You marry that with this tradition, you go, my gosh, it's exactly the same thing. All right. The bride and the groom arrive. Okay, once they arrive, there's the, all the guests are all waiting, but they don't go into this celebration. What happens is the bride and the groom, their attendants, walk them to a, a, a room, it's called the hoopah, where they will be together by themselves for seven days. See, usually this bridal celebration was a seven-day celebration. Wow. We have a few hours in an afternoon or an <laughs> evening. Not so with the ancient Jewish wedding. It was a seven-day celebration. They certainly know how to party. They certainly know <laughs> how to party. But what's amazing about this is that the bride and the groom go into this, the hoopah, and they're by themselves. And that is the place where consummation takes place. Mm. Now, to us, we kind of go, well, that's a bit, that's a little bit ick mm. because that's a private thing. Why is this such a big deal? And of course, once consummation has taken place, the groom then lets his attendants know, who then goes and tells everybody else at the party, <laughs> yeah. guess what? Mm. The consummation has taken place. Now, you'd kind of think that's a little bit too much information. Yeah. They don't need to know that. But the point is, let's go right back to our very first lesson on this particular subject. Go back to the word echad, one. This is these two people who were separate entities and now they're unified. Mm. They are one. And that's the point of this. This is this union of a marriage relationship of these two individuals. No longer are they individuals and separate. They are now one. And there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians believe that Jesus, our bridegroom, is also will keep the bride of Christ separated for a seven-year portion mm. of time. There's that seven again, seven days of celebration for a physical couple, seven years of celebration for the bridegroom, Christ, and the church. And that's believed to be during a period of seven years of tribulation on the earth. And then one day after that seven years of being with his bride, separated, celebrating their final coming together, He's coming back because what would happen is after this seven days of celebration where the groom would be with his bride in the hoopah, after these seven days of just the two of them getting to know one another, spending that time privately with each other, because before then she was veiled, nobody could see her face. Then at the end of this seven days and the consummation and just loving each other, spending their time together, he then brings her forward and he presents her to the community. Mm. Now, when Jesus comes back, it says he's coming back with his bride. Yeah, that's right. He will be presenting her as he comes back. I mean, <laughs> there's so, there's just so many yeah. parallels. It's honestly just the more you learn about the relationship of Christ and his, and his bride and how fu- history future is going to unfold, you see every element of it within the ancient Jewish wedding. Mm. The, the patterns and the, uh, the representations oh. are so clear, aren't they? It's just amazing. So once again, go back to the word echad, 
one. It's a unity. And what does it really represent? Okay, you've got the Trinitarian nature of God is echad. Unity. You've got God the Father who took Israel as his wife, Echad. They become a unity. From there, we get the Savior from this union. Remember, uh, uh, maybe one day we'll talk about what it's like for a, you know, when a, a when a, a mother is pregnant, you know, the mother's blood never touches the blood of the child. Mm. My gynecologist told me I have a negative blood and my husband is O positive. So my gynecologist told me I have the potential to actually make antibodies against my own children. Oh, so well. I had to have blood tests all the way through my pregnancies for that reason because my blood doesn't touch the child's blood. Well. Now, Jesus had a stepfather, but he was human, had tainted blood. But he had a human mother, so she carried him. He was flesh and blood of his, his mother, mm. but not his father's blood. His father's blood came from God, yeah. which was untainted and perfect and pure. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you've got this unity. From them comes the Messiah, the Jewish people. And then you've got God the Son who took his, the church as his wife, Echad, this unity. God, through his redemptive price, has made us, along with Jew and Gentile, breaking down the separation of the law, as we've said before, a unity, one new man. That's why Echad is so important, mm. making one. Yeah. Well, once again, I mean, we've mentioned this in previous programs about this, uh, the mystery of this, yes. the physical marriage here on earth, which represents the spiritual dynamic of, of marriage and the relationship between God and man. But uh, it sums it all up in Ephesians 5 so beautifully from verse 22 where it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body. And then it wraps up in this final verse. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. <laughs> that just sums the whole thing yeah. up, doesn't it? The whole point of marriage is to represent and demonstrate the relationship God wants with his people, be it through God and Israel, Christ and the church, Godhead and humanity. Mm. Now, there is a little book in, in the Old Covenant that we're now going to spend probably about five programs on unpacking this story. And we are going to see the plan of redemption for Jew and Gentile and the complete span of how that redemption would take place, bringing them together in this one unified body. And it's all presented in a little four-chapter book in the Old Covenant. And we will unpack that next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.